Welcome to Piecemeal, a podcast hosted by the Emily Program, where we put it all together for you. Piecemeal discusses topics related to eating disorders, body image issues, and how society may contribute to distorted thinking. Please keep in mind that we may discuss difficult topics, and we ask that you use your own discretion when listening or that you speak with a therapist as needed. I'm your host, Jillian Lampert. Today, we're talking about eating disorders in student-athletes with an awesome Division I soccer player, Cece Muscovet. Hi, Cece. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us. Cece's a goalkeeper on her college soccer team and a nursing major who just finished her sophomore year. When she's not at school or on the soccer field, she loves listening to music, shopping, and playing with dogs, especially her own, Tigger, which makes me smile because I used to have a cat named Tigger. So I'm a little have this dissonance with your dog and my cat, but we can get through it. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So let's let's start with why is this conversation about eating disorders in sports important to you? You know, it definitely started out with me being a freshman in college, you know, being in a whole completely new environment, new lifestyle. You don't really see a lot of the changes until like you're you know, witnessing them or they're happening to you. So when I was first diagnosed, I realized that the people that were helping me didn't have a whole background or idea of like how to deal with an eating disorder, especially when you're a collegiate athlete, because there's so many things that play into that, you know, with working out twice a day and the fact you have to be, you know, fueling your body properly. And a lot of people don't understand that mentally, that's also such a huge factor because, you know, when you're choosing to not fuel your body, a lot of that can be an issue, especially when you're on the pitch or playing a game, you're not going to be playing at your best because of the lack of energy that you don't have. Absolutely. So we know that we know that statistically, the, the research shows us that athletes have a greater chance of developing an eating disorder than non-athletes do. Some research shows that it's about three times more likely for athletes than non-athletes. So can you talk a little bit about the impact of sports on your own relationship with food and your body? Yeah, you know, when I was younger, um, I was always active. You know, I was always playing a sport. I was really into soccer and swimming. And as I got older, I um, I started playing very high level of soccer. So sports was always something that was in my family. You know, my dad ran cross country in college. Um, my sister also plays soccer. She's on my soccer team in college too. So sports was always like a very, you know, huge theme in our family. But as I was getting older and then I started, you know, having my eating disorder problems, I realized how my sport was kind of making me feel worse about myself instead of making myself feel better because at the time it was just like going against myself in a way and realizing that if I wanted to play well, I had to fuel my body properly, but at the same time I was going against fueling. And when things didn't go right at school, you know, I'd have practice later and I would just like let it all out. But then it came to the point where it started being the problem. And for me, that was really hard to acknowledge that, you know, I might have to, you know, take a step back and let soccer go for a little and realize that, you know, soccer isn't going to be part of my whole life. It's just, you know, that piece of the puzzle. It took me a really long time to kind of realize that and accept it. But once I did, I realized that it was for the best. And so you stepped away from the sport for a little bit. Yeah. And then... 
what happened in sort of that experience of stepping away? Any reflections on how it felt to, to not be doing that? Um, you know, I remember sitting out out of our practices, our lifts, and I would just sit there and watch. And I was thinking, you know, I didn't like the position that I was in. And not only that, but the position that I was putting my family through, my coaches, my teammates, because I hated sitting on the sidelines because I was, you know, missing out so much. I remember when I was in the training room and one of my um, lacrosse friends, she was like, hey, she's like, I saw you like, why weren't you practicing? Like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh yeah, just, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going through some stuff right now. She's like, oh, like, I hope you feel better. And I realized I'm like, it sucked being asked those questions. Like, oh, like, why aren't you playing? You know? And you're just like sitting there, you know, biting your tongue, like you're going through this and it's hard. It's definitely hard. But realizing that I was just standing on the side, I'm like, I don't want to be here anymore. I need to find a way to get myself healthy physically and mentally, because I'm like, I had to realize I'm like, I can't just do this, you know, for my teammates, for my coaches, for my family. At the end of the day, you have to look at it and you're like, you need to do it for yourself. You have to do it for yourself. So that was my main goal and my main focus. That's awesome. Yeah, it's really, it's great. Your teammates benefit, your family benefits when you're healthy and, and everybody wants you to be healthy. But but deep down, it, it really only works if you're feeling it, right? Yeah. If you're feeling healthy and, and whole. Uh-huh. 100%. Yeah. So it's fascinating, right? Lots of the, the qualities of really good athletes are also qualities that are associated with high risk for an eating disorder, like competitiveness, discipline, persistence, performance orientation. Uh, and, and there's, you know, really fascinating brain science behind, like, we know that those are the traits that show up a lot in people with eating disorders, and they kind of get, they kind of get hijacked right? By, by the eating disorder. They're great in lots of ways, but then they get hijacked. Are there personal traits that, that you know about yourself that really benefit you in sports, but were really harmful to you in the context of the eating disorder? Yeah, definitely. I could say competitive, competitiveness, also perfectionism. I strive to always be perfect in every single thing I did. I remember like practicing and we'd go through a drill and my coach would be like, okay, I think we're going to leave it at that. I'm like, no, it wasn't good enough. I'm like, we need to redo it. We're not done. <laughs> He's like, we just worked on it for like 20 minutes. I'm like, no, I'm like going through the drum. Like I always had to end on a good one, like a good drill because it just made me feel better. And I remember talking to my therapist and opening up to her and growing up, I, you know, I always strive to be perfect because it was something that like my parents wanted, but also like I felt good about it. And then realizing how it turned for the worse with my eating disorder, it was really difficult because I remember I was like telling myself, I'm like, you can only eat this for today. And I remember there was one time when I was so hungry and I ended up having a chocolate bar and I felt so horrible about myself and so guilty. And like the guilt was just like overpowering me and the perfectionism was just clashing down on me. And it's crazy to think that some of your best traits can also like turn into the worst. Mm -hmm. And I definitely learned through that. And in the beginning, talking to my therapist, I never thought about it. You know, I never thought that being a great competitive athlete could also like turn you to a world where you're drowning and you're having so many issues physically and mentally. And I definitely, you know, tell my friends, I'm like, you find yourself struggling 
where you're just like, feel like I'm not the best or anything. You have to realize I'm like, you're your own person. No one else is you. If you can only do this at that certain pace, then you need to accept it and be proud of that because no one is you. You are your own person and there's no duplicate of you, no matter how hard you try. So I just had to keep that in my head, realizing I'm like, I am my own person. And I'm like, I was born the way that I am. And I'm going to learn to accept it and love who I am as a person. So yeah, I sort of hear in your in your story, sort of using those traits for the good. Yeah. How have you applied that that drive and that desire to do well in in other areas of your life in school or anything else that you can think of? Um, I definitely started to journal. I would I remember I would like write down like sticky notes. I would write good things about myself and I would like put them on my mirror. So every time I would wake up, the first thing I would do, I would like look up because like my bed's facing my dresser. So I look up, I would see the sticky notes. And there were times when I would feel so good, like something really good happened at practice. And I would like go into my laptop and I would journal it. I would write it down. And I would remember those good feelings that I had and remember why you need to keep doing it, like why it's good to stay recovered, because those are the reasons. And I had a therapy session one day with my therapist and she was listing all the bad things that like your eating disorder took of you. And I realized I'm like, I miss those things. I do. I miss being, you know, that outgoing, loud, fun person I used to be. And the fact that I was able to get that back, I was so proud of myself. And like, not even that, but I told my eating disorder, I'm like, you're never taking that away. You're not. So, you know, for listeners and for those who struggle, I always tell myself, writing is one of the best therapies that helped me. And I hope, I think it'll help a lot of people because you're acknowledging the good things about you and seeing that on paper sometimes you know, good to be able to see it. Yeah, because we sort of forget it sometimes when we yeah. when we're into like our places. We're like, oh no, no, none of that's true. Oh wait, I actually wrote it down at one point and believed it. So maybe it is actually true. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I hear I hear in your words so much uh that that message around like recovery is so worth it. It's really hard and it's so worth it because life is just so much better in that space than than in yeah. space where you're sort of all your great traits are being held captive by this eating disorder. Yeah. And like, not even that, but like the people around you, it, it's just like a better environment too. Cause you know, I remember I was like so isolated. I didn't want to be around anybody. And they're like, you know, why are you being like this and stuff? And like, now that I'm in a recovered state, it's nice to, you know, be back to normal, you know, mm-hmm. it's like living every day and, being happy is like something that I missed when I was struggling with my eating disorder. Yeah, that's beautiful. Let's let's talk a little bit about your experience with body image. So I mean, we know that that some female athletes feel enormous competing body image pressures. There's so much commentary about females' bodies generally, but there's like so much more commentary about female athletes' bodies. There's social pressures to attain sort of one kind of physique, whatever that is, and these athletic or sports specific pressures to attain another, like you should be slim or lean and strong and muscular and fast. Yes. How were you affected by those competing pressures? Um, you know, when you're around so many different athletes, obviously there's women who have all different types of body shapes and sizes. And growing up, you know, I was more on like the thicker side. I mean, I wasn't, you know, the slimmest girl because 
I'm half Hispanic. So like I was going to have the wide hips, you know, that was just it. You know, I got that from my mom and bless her soul for that. Um, <laughs> but I, I started realizing that I'd be in the locker room and we'd be changing with all the girls. And like, I would look around and I was like, you know, some of my friends, they didn't have like your six pack. It was a stereotype. If like, oh, you're a division one athlete, like you should have abs. And the thing is, is like, that's not true. And not even that, but it's just not, it's a stereotype that I think should be completely erased because it's completely false. And I remember talking to my trainer who is wonderful and who's helped me so much to, you know, my recovery. And he told me, he was like, you know, the biggest thing is your body, CC, he's like, you have been such a great athlete because of your body and like how it's helped you. And if you realize that your eating disorder, it starts taking away that you're not going to be that top athlete that you used to be. And I was like, wow, you're right. Because I'm like, if I want to be the starter, I was like, I need to be at my best physically and mentally. And if I'm not up to par with that, then I'm not going to be able to play at my highest potential. And like, even the same thing with men, you know, I think a lot of men athletes struggle with, oh my God, I need to be the biggest I can be, you know, muscular wise. And the the truth is, is, you know, if you are competing and you are doing the best you can possibly be, whether you don't have abs or not, you need to realize that you're your own person, you're your own body. And that's how it's going to be, you know, trying to change it isn't always going to be the best way or the best resolution. And I think, you know, moving forward, all athletes should understand that like nobody is going to be perfect to a T, but the best way to realize is, you know, accepting that, you know what, my body has allowed me to do all of this. So I need to be proud of that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. If everybody actually had the same body, which is impossible, then we wouldn't have the range of abilities we have. For sure. Right? So we'd be missing a whole bunch of, you know, a whole bunch of players if all of them look a certain way. So I yeah. completely agree. I think it's so important to think about variety is required to have a high performing team, right? That's how it works. Those specific skill sets, you need everybody to be themselves and to be performing at the, their peak of themselves. Definitely. That's awesome. What what other messages around, you talked a little bit about hearing from your trainer, those awesome body messages about being your own self. What other messages have you heard around food or or bodies from your coaches or teammates just sort of in the, the world generally? Kind of both those maybe helpful ones and the maybe less helpful ones? Um, You know, there was one that always stuck to me. And I can definitely probably account to those who are battling with eating disorder. And I remember my friend, she was like, Cece, it's fine. Just eat it. Just eat it. And I was like, if you only knew how hard that was. And my therapist had this phenomenal analogy that I still use. And I tell my friends, and it's just a way for me to explain, you know, it'd be like a person who was afraid of bridges, hates crossing bridges, so afraid. And you're telling that person to walk across that bridge six to eight times a day. That's what it's like for a person who's battling with an eating disorder. And they were like, oh, wow. And it kind of like hit them. And I was like, yeah. I was like, it's not just like those simple words. I'm like, just eat the food. It's not that simple. There's so many other things that like play into it. And it definitely hit my mom a little hard, you know, because I was the oldest daughter and she definitely saw 
how it was just like tearing me apart. And she was like, you know, the fact that you almost died and it just like wasn't fair that you were dealing with that. She told me, she's like, your parents and your family are always going to love you for who you are. She's like, you can't let nobody tell you differently. And you have to understand that your recovery is only going to work if you believe in yourself. Because if you don't, then like, there's no point. There's no point in wanting to recover if you're not going to want it for yourself. And I was like, yeah, like, you're right. You're definitely right. And, you know, going into my, my doctor's visits and I would always like stay in the waiting room and um, I saw like how young some of these people were, how an eating disorder affects so many in our community. And I was like, you know, I want to also recover to show that, you know, there's possibilities of you being healthy again. There's light at the end of the tunnel because at a point I thought I was like, I thought I was never going to come out of it. I, I really did because I felt like I was just stuck. I was stuck in this dark hole. And the fact that I was able to talk to so many people around me and like I had a great team to help me, it was very hopeful. And I was like, I'm finally seeing light at the end of the tunnel. You know, recovery was definitely a very long process. It was hard and good at times. But in the end, it's just so worth it. It really is because you're able to have like your life back and you're able to realize how precious it is and how important it is for you. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't, I can't agree with you more. I've, I've been recovered from an eating disorder for about 27 years. And I remember that coming out of that tunnel and seeing how much, how much brighter and better the world is. Yeah. And it's hard, it's hard and it's up and down and back and forth and all of that. Do you feel like um do you feel like sports generally talks enough about eating disorders? It sounds like it wasn't very comfortable for you to be able to talk about what why you were out and I'm curious about sort of your experience and like could you talk about it and were eating disorders talked about? And then also more generally, do you feel like we talk about eating disorders enough in in sports? Yeah, so I definitely think that our sports should talk a lot about it a lot more often because it's definitely a huge issue. And I think it's an issue that a lot of players don't know how to like come forward and be like, Hey, like I'm struggling. Um, I was not very comfortable about it. I kept it like very, you know, low key because it was something that for me, I was embarrassed to talk about, but also I didn't know anybody who was battling with an eating disorder, not only that, but like, I didn't have like all those resources to, you know, like go to like people who athletes who are struggling with an eating disorder. And I remember during preseason, we, we would have to weigh in, weigh out. And at the time, you know, my doctor had finally cleared me. She's like, you can go into preseason. She's like, but you need to understand, like you're, you guys are going to be training, you know, three times a day. Like you need to be fueling your body. And I remember telling my trainer and there were a couple other trainers who were helping us like weigh in, weigh out. And I told them and I was like, Hey, like I'm not allowed to know my weight. So I remember I would have to like look away from the um, scale. And then we had the choice. If you didn't want to know how much you lost in practice, like you don't have to look at it. And I remember also, you know, talking to my coaches, Hey, listen, um, I want you guys to know um, I'm in recovery and I just thought that you guys should know. 
And for me, that was like super heartwarming to know that like I had people on my side and, you know, rooting for me and like my recovery and my health. But um, I definitely think that it's it should be a topic that all sports teams and all colleges should talk about because um, it can happen to anybody, no matter who you are as a person. Um, it can happen to anybody. And especially if you're an athlete, it takes a toll on your health and like the people around you and even your future. Like looking now back at it, I definitely think and it would be super ha- helpful for, you know, the awareness to increase because it's definitely a topic that should always be talked about. It should never, you know, be like put under the rug because it's definitely a huge issue, you know. And it's definitely something that like society, you know, if you look at a lot of our issues in society happen through eating disorder, you know, with body imaging, you know, having to look a certain way. And, you know, when you look at athletes, you know, we're always, you know, being pushed to like our absolute max. And sometimes that can, you know, be harmful to us because not knowing when to stop and not knowing, okay, like this is like, this should be, you know, the end. I definitely think, you know, all colleges, whether you're Division One, Division Three, or NAIA, there should always be, you know, a spokesperson for people who are having issues with eating or having body imaging issues. Because, you know, when you're an athlete, you know, you're balancing so much, you know, you're balancing your school, you're balancing sports. And not only on top of that, but then you're balancing, you know, like your internal issues with having an eating disorder. So looking at that aspect, you know, I definitely think we should have more resources. Absolutely. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. So now how do you ensure your approach to sports protects your recovery and your mental health now? How do you sort of manage breaks and fuel yourself and kind of try to manage the perfectionism part of your personality that's delightful and can be a little tricky? What do you do for yourself? Yeah. Um, I listened to my body completely, 100%. Because before, I never did. I would completely ignore my body. You know, there were times when my body was like saying no, like you cannot work out like I need to fuel. And I would just completely ignore it. I think the best thing is just to listen to your body because your body knows you best. You know, there's nothing more than the fact that like your body knows you like in and out. And I think as an athlete, um, I was always taught, you know, taking breaks was bad. If you take a break, that means you're not fit. But in reality, it's like, it doesn't always mean that, you know, taking a break is good because your body's telling you like, hey, I just went so hard. I need to like take a moment to like recover so I can like go hard again. And I think all athletes should know that there's going to be a time when like, you're not going to want to work out. And that's okay. Because like, I've definitely had moments during this quarantine. I'm like, you know what? We're going to take a day off because I deserve it. I did a great workout the other day. You know, I'm feeling good. I'm, my body is sore and I'm going to listen to it. And I'm going to say, you know what? I'm taking the day off. And if I'm taking the day off, like I'll find like something else to do, you know, find, I'll like do some stretching or some like light yoga. Um, but also when it came to like fueling, I was struggling with it in the beginning because I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, I really don't want to like, drink this protein shake because there's so many calories and blah, 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 blah. But I'm realizing, and I'm like, you know what, if I'm going to like take this workout in the butt, 
and I'm going to feel great after. I'm like, I need to have some type of energy. So I started like really emphasizing and just like making smoothies and like adding like whey protein into it because it made me feel good. And not only that, but like I started seeing like really good, like a great, you know, resolution after I worked out. Like I felt so good about myself. I mean, like, yeah, like I was tired because I'm like, I just finished a workout. But it was one of those like good tired, like, wow, I'm like, I feel great. When before I would work out like not eating anything, I was like, oh, my God, I'm like, I actually thought I was going to die. I'm like, I cannot do this. But also, I think finding a way to, you know, work out and play soccer in a way that like makes you feel good and happy is super important. Because you don't want to just do it to like, oh my God, I need to do this so I can like burn the cheeseburger. Right? Like you can't think it like that. Like you have to have a good and healthy mindset because if you don't, then like you're going to be stuck in the mud for a very long time. Absolutely. That's a great, that's a great image. Just getting stuck in the mud. Yeah. What would you say, sort of my last question, what would you say to somebody? Imagine there's a, a collegiate athlete out there right now struggling with an eating disorder, trying to decide what to do talk to somebody, get some help, not tell anybody, what would you say to that person? Um, I would definitely say that getting help in the beginning is super scary because you're acknowledging that like you're going through something. But I promise you, sometimes getting help is the best. And we can't always do it on our own. We can't. And I think having a good team supporting you is the absolute best. And you have to understand that like you only have one life. You want to make the absolute best of it and you want to treat it with the best way possible, like being healthy, happy, um, you know, loving, just being the person that you are. And I think another message I would, you know, say to those who are struggling, if you're a collegiate athlete is to know that, you know, you're not alone. You're absolutely not alone. And to know that there are going to be rough patches along the way, but I'm telling you those rough patches won't they won't even be comparison to the amount of great feelings you're going to feel when you have reached recovery yeah absolutely well said well thank you so much for sharing your story with us ec and really shining some light on this my pleasure thank you for having me again you're welcome thanks so much if you enjoyed today's episode please subscribe rate and leave us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you listen If you'd like to learn more about the EMILY program and what we do, visit emilyprogram.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at EMILY program. Peace Meal is produced by Angie Mitchell and Nancy Linden with music by Dan Forkey. Thanks for listening.